Welcome in, everybody. It is episode 20 of Four Score the Podcast. Andrew May alongside Rob Jufre with you. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've been on last, about a week and a half since our last episode where we held our uh, New York baseball super team draft. I have the final results of the poll that I put out on social media of who the fans and listeners thought had the best team. So we'll get into that at the end of the episode. There's a lot of things that we're going to touch on tonight. Uh, basically, just kind of going across the map of all the major sports and the steps that they're taking to try to get uh, games to be played again, or in baseball's case, uh, hindering them from being able to get on the field and play games again because they're still at a standstill. So um, limited capacity has been filled at some football facilities. Uh, certain teams and coaching staffs have gone back. Players are starting to work out on their own. So it looks as if football is probably going to end up hopefully, as long as nothing changes, unscathed, uh, although playing games with no fans. Basketball announced their plan to come back. They're going to hold a 22-team event in Orlando. That's going to kind of be their hub city. They're going to play a little bit of the regular season uh, to get over the 70-game threshold, and then they're going to have their playoff tournament. We spoke last episode about hockey's plan to return. Uh, They are now in Phase 2 of their reopening. Phase 3 will begin on July 10th, tentatively where players are going to start reporting back and everything is going to be good to go as long as the players get tested and come away all clear. But, Rob, when it comes to baseball, we're in the same predicament that we were about two months ago. The millionaires and billionaires are still squabbling over money. There's been proposals given by the Players Association. There's been proposals given by the owners. No one seems to be giving a little. They seem to be just as far apart as they were at the beginning of the labor negotiations. And listen, all these reporters and these analysts keep saying that deep down in their gut, they believe baseball is going to be played. The commissioner, Rob Manfred, said at the draft last night that there will 100% be baseball. But in my mind, with what we've been seeing going on during these negotiations, I don't get how anybody in their right mind could say that baseball is going to be played. They haven't made any ground, and what it looks like right now is that the only way a season is going to be played is if the players get their full prorated salaries. And on the owner's side of the ball, it seems like the only way that they're going to give full prorated salaries is for a season of less than 50 games, which to me is totally illegitimate, and and you should just chalk it up and go to 2021 if that's the case. So there's no progress being made, Rob. Where where are we going? Where are we today? I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong. If you have a different viewpoint, please enlighten me. But where are we today as far as progress is concerned that we weren't at two months ago? Has any progress been made at all? No. Well, I told you this uh, a few weeks ago, Andrew. I said I didn't think baseball probably would not be coming back because it's all about money with these guys. Unlike the other sports, and again, You know, I had said it a few weeks ago that, you know, hockey and and basketball were pretty much almost completed. They were three quarters of the way through the season. So the players got their money and it's all about the money. Don't let anybody else tell you differently. It's not about anything else but the money. So they already got paid. So they don't have that situation where they're dealing with the the monies that are involved. Um, and what did I say right before Memorial Day, which is what, May 25th, I think it was, May Memorial Day? I, I thought leading up to Memorial Day weekend and right past that, that they would maybe have some sort of uh, um, compromise between the players and the owners, and they didn't. 
And so here we are lingering on June, on June 11th and we still have nothing. And, you know, shame on, on Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, to come out and say that he is guaranteeing 100% that we'll be playing baseball. How the hell can you say that? How can you say that with all the unrest that we're having now between the owners and the players? And if it's a 50-game season, then you know what? Then take that 50-game season and stick it. Because I'm not watching a 50-game season. It's a joke. So either you play at least half the season or maybe a little bit more, or don't play anything. Don't play anything at all. Because what's going on right now is a complete and utter joke with, with the owners and the players. They're in a bad situation in baseball right now because if they don't come to some sort of conclusion, and that's it, I'm giving it to the, to the end of next week, I can't see it going any further. They have to end this by October. They can't go any further than that anymore, Andrew. How can you? You cannot possibly do it. And they've maintained that since the beginning, that they're not going to extend the season too much further than what it would normally end at, which is right. you know mid to late October. They're not going to extend the end right. of the season anywhere past that. So if you're going to get any sort of season with any legitimacy towards it, a deal needed to be reached like yesterday. I mean, I think we're past the point now where you can have a season that resembles any sort of normalcy and be able to crown a champion in a fair and square manner. Now, I've said this since day one, Rob, and I understood where the owners were coming from, and I understand their motive for leaking the information in the very beginning. I know I sound like a broken record, but they, in the very beginning of these negotiations, they were hell-bent on pushing a narrative to the public. Because they realized that this wasn't going to be an easy negotiation. And they realized that the two sides were far apart. So what the owners wanted to do was get out in front of it. They wanted to leak information to the public. So that if in the event that there is no season to be played, the public would turn on the players. And they leaked that email that stated to the players when they signed the agreement for the prorated salaries for half the season. If they weren't able to get the season underway or if the season was delayed, they would have to revisit it and negotiate about money again. They leaked that information. They're leaking information about what all the players are saying, and the players were snapping right back, and it didn't go anywhere. And, and this is where we've been standing for two months now. And the biggest problem is, and I heard this from Jeff Passan on ESPN yesterday, and he couldn't have said it any better than how he said it. He said the most frustrating part about these negotiations is that the context of the conversations being had right now were conversations that could have been had two months ago. It's not like you're figuring out new logistics because the virus has spiked or, or that there's new information about the virus that has forced you to change your plans. No, you are in the exact same boat that you were on March 12th when the lockdown first began. You were in the same exact spot. They're just moving side to side. No one is giving anything. And, and, and another thing about this negotiation, too, is you have to remember that the collective bargaining agreement is up after 2021. And so the owners right now are sort of greasing the skids to try to get what they want and the next collective bargaining agreement. And the problem on the player's side is that the current collective bargaining agreement is not really that beneficial for them. I think there was probably some language in that agreement that the players didn't necessarily understand or that Tony Clark maybe didn't understand. And it wasn't beneficial for them. So now they're not giving any ground either. They're standing firm and they're not doing anything. Their opinion is not changing whatsoever. So for, for 
Rob Manfred to come out yesterday, like you said, Robin, and say, we're 100% going to have baseball. I mean, it, it it's a farce. It's idiotic to even say that right now. And, and if there's no baseball, we've said this since day one, they're going to lose so many fans because, yeah, baseball is America's pastime. It's the best sport in the world. Baseball has always been my favorite sport. But you know what? At this point in time, all these other sports are gaining popularity, and baseball is losing popularity. Now, if you go into this season without playing any games, and they can't get this season underway, and you have basketball playoffs coming back, and you have the NHL playoffs coming back, and you have the football season starting unscathed, and they go business as usual, baseball is not going to gain the fans they lose. And at this point, with the headache that they've caused for everybody— I don't even think if the season gets started and they play a 50-game season that they'll even get the viewers because there's going to be other options. There's going to be other things to watch. I'll tell you right now, as much as I love baseball, I would 100% rather watch an NBA playoff game than one of 49 regular season games in the MLB. I'd rather watch an NHL playoff game than one of the 49 regular season games in the MLB. So there's going to be irreparable damage done for what's been going on right now. And the only way, in my mind at least, that this season gets started is if the owners wake up tomorrow and they give in to the players' demands. I feel like that's the only way that this season is going to go is going to go on as planned. The well, only way. I told you a few episodes ago I turned my back on baseball because I hate what's going on right now. And let me ask you a question. Not that we're geniuses. I know I'm not. But, okay, so now you have a 162-game season where you get your full salary because you're playing 162 games with, with, with attendance, regardless of what your attendance is, okay? But you know you have attendance. So if you're a good team, you know come July, August, September, you're going to draw fans. If you're a terrible team, you're, gonna, you're not going to draw fans. You're going to have limited amount of attendance, Okay. So now let's let's kick that back to playing 81 games now. Okay. So now if you're let's just I'm just gonna say Mike Trout just for shits and giggles. He's making 35 million a year. So now you have 81 games. Mike Trout should make what? 17.5. Correct? Right. Okay. Now let's take the, let's take in consideration there's no revenue coming in from because you have zero attendance. Okay. So now you've got to lower that percentage now of 17.5. Correct? Is that not fair? 100%. Okay. So let's say now you take away because of attendance and you can't take away the fact of what team plays with who, whether it be the Tigers, the Angels, the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, whoever it may be, and whoever they may draw. So maybe you take away another 15 to 20% of that salary. Can't you just kind of come to that compromise and say, okay, listen, we're only playing 81 games. So how do you deserve your full salary because of that? How do you deserve 17.5 million because you're making 35 million to play 162 games? And far be it. Most of these players are not playing 162 games. Most of them miss games, whether it's injuries, they need rest, or whatever it may be. They go on a paternity leave or whatever it be, whatever it may be. And then you take away the fact that you're not going to have fans in the stands, there's got to be some sort of a compromise here. There has to be. If these players think they're going to get a full salary or anything close to it, they're out of their minds. So to a certain degree, yeah, I side on the owners. I really do because, first of all, they own the team. They own the team. You're an employee of that team. They're employing you to play for them. 
So how in the world, because of, you know, they hide behind the union. It's all about the union. Forget about the 2021 CBA. Just forget that. You got to need, you need to throw that out the window right now. They need to just say, listen, anything we do right now is only dictated and predicated on what's going on in 2020. And that's it. We're not going to carry nothing over to 2021. Let's see where this pandemic takes us. To me, it's, it's the simplest way to do it. I, I mean, it, it seems like you, you need to just, like I said, you're taking a half of their salary away. We're going to play 81 games. Okay, so you can't, you can't be paid on 162 games. You're going to get paid on 81. So that's half your salary. Let's take away the fact that there's nobody in attendance, so we're not getting any gate. We're not getting any concessions. We're not getting any memorabilia sales. We're not getting any parking or any other sort of monies that you bring in because of that from from being from having a home gate, and and come to a compromise on that. I just can't understand how they can go this far right now, and not have some sort of a compromise. I just don't get it. Well, and again, well, the, their thing, and it's it's again fundamentally their thought process is correct. What the players feel is that the owners of the team are an owner of a business and they should assume responsibility, which is correct. But 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 this is a pandemic. I mean, th these are circumstances that change everything that the sport was founded upon. This is a one time thing that there's no blueprint to follow and, and there's no step by step instructions as to how to figure this thing out. It's basically just trial and error and trying to go through and, like you said, Rob, come to a compromise. This has to be collaborative. Right now, this is not collaborative. It's one side butting heads with the other. And don't the players understand this, Rob? Let's say, as I said before, the only way I see the season going on right now at this point as I sit here is if the owners give in to the players' demands. So let's say tomorrow the owners do. They meet their proposal and say, hey, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play an 85-game season, and you're going to get your full pro rata money. Don't the players understand that even though they're getting their pro rata money right now, the owners are going to be taking a loss because of not having a gate. And so for years to come, it's going to affect their salary then. So they're going to get money taken away from them regardless of when it is, whether it's this year or whether it's in years from now in the free agent market. and with you know it, it, They're going to lose money regardless, and they don't seem to get that. They don't seem to understand the fact that you are going to lose money regardless. There was no way to avoid this. You just kind of have to come to a compromise and adapt with the circumstances that we've been given. And the players can't seem to understand it. They're being stubborn. They're being greedy. And... You already turned your back on baseball, and I'll tell you this much, Rob, that you're not the only one. You are definitely not the only I one. I told you this a few weeks ago. And what what else did I tell you? I told you that the, the, the owners will lose more money playing this season than they will not playing it because they have insurance on the fact of, of, of a national emergency where baseball gets canceled because of some, a situation like this. They have insurance because of that, the owners. And they will probably lose less money not playing than they will be playing. So take that into consideration. You know, uh, again, now you know what? You, it's funny because all of a sudden now Scott Boris, who I destroyed a few weeks ago, and I can't stand that guy, but he's out of the picture. You haven't heard nothing from him. You haven't heard nothing from, from the likes of Trevor Bauer and Blake Snell and all these other idiots that were tweeting and 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 complaining and, and putting everything out in public. 
They were doing it as much as the owners are doing it. But again, you're the owner of the team. You own the team. It's your business. You have the right to do whatever you want to do here. The players still don't get the fact that they are still under the ownership, period. You're still the employee. They're the employer. And they're only they're only uh, uh, protected by their union. That's it. So you know what? Just don't play. Do me a favor. Don't play. And you know what? I hope next year you get destroyed. I hope the pandemic over, uh, is over. The virus is done with. There's vaccines out there. And nobody shows up at a baseball game because that's what's deserving of this sport right now because of what's going on. It, it's an embarrassment that they've taken it this far right now. It's an utter embarrassment. And again, I'll reiterate, I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I turned my back on baseball a couple of weeks ago when all this crap was going on because they should have been the first sport back. And now you're seeing, uh, you know, the NBA, listen, the NBA has a, has a, has a great format. They're going to be isolated in one area, which is in Disney World. So they got one spot there. Obviously, families cannot be involved. But you're also now starting to hear that a lot of NBA players are a little skeptical, uh, excuse me, skeptical of coming back. They don't want to play. Now, they haven't named these players, but they're saying there's a nice, a, a decent percentage of players that are now a little bit, you know, leery about coming back to play. And if that's the case, then fine. Then don't play the season. Because if it's going to be some of your top stars and top players, then why you want to play a season just for the fact that you could say, well, we crowned the champion. All right. So, you know, what? put an asterisk next to the season and abolish it. This is a pandemic that nobody ever expected it's so rare that this will ever happen again that it's not worth crowning a champion if you're not going to have uh, teams playing out of full capacity with its star players playing in the playoffs. Same thing for the NHL. I mean, we don't know. We haven't heard about the NHL, but the last couple of days, the NBA players have come out and said that there are enough players right now that are saying they, don't, they might not want to take on that risk. So, so be it. I Listen, I get that. I respect that. I have no problem. You come out and say you don't want to play, and I said this back in baseball too, Andrew. If they don't want to play, then you don't play. You don't get paid your salary, but you don't play. If you don't want to take on the risk, I respect it. I have no problem with that. But this, this negotiating going on back and forth between baseball players and owners, it's a complete and utter farce for what's going on out in the real world right now. I'm tired of it. Yeah, I'm tired. I, I've already turned my back on base. I'm at the point right now, Andrew. That I, you know, when I told you this a couple of weeks ago, I, I was turning my back on them, and you had said, "I'll never turn my back on baseball." I love baseball. I love baseball too. But when I see this, it takes the fun out of it. It takes the fun out of it. It really does. Because now I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna be watching guys on the field. I'm gonna be just seeing dollar signs. I mean, listen, we, we've gone through that before with the money because the, the money has been outlandish in baseball, you know, with guys, you know, that are getting paid $35, $40 million a year. I mean, when is it going to stop? When's it going to stop? And it's all about the unions. It's all, you know, the union just wants to make sure everybody gets gets the, the most money they can possibly get and, 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 and suck baseball dry. I'm tired of the whole situation. I'm just tired of it. That's my opinion. Yeah, I don't know if... Listen, I, I could say a lot of things with conviction, and I'm very opinionated, and so you have to be, when you're opinionated, you have to be able to say things with conviction, and I think I do that on this podcast for the most part, but I don't necessarily know if I can act on conviction, but 
if, if there's only going to be a 40 game season, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't, I can't, I can't watch season. it. A 40, that, that's like playing stratomatic baseball. I mean, uh, you might as well just do that. Why don't you just play a stratomatic game for 40 games? I mean, come on. It's stupid. F- even 50 games. They were talking 50, 50 games. Because here's what's going to happen. A team starts up 10 and 20. 10 wins, 20 losses. You're going to have guys mailing it in. Guys are going to fake injuries just to go home. They're not going to want to be part of it. What do they care for? I'm just going to fake a hamstring injury. I'm going home. I'm going to get paid. I'm injured. Can't play. Hey, that's what's going to happen. It's a joke. It's a fight. Even 81 games is 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 not enough, in my opinion, for baseball. Because baseball is it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So even 81 games is is a bit of a joke too. But so be it. I mean, at, at this point right now, during a pandemic, if you can get 81 games out of baseball and everybody can enjoy themselves watching a baseball game, I get it. Believe me, I really do. But you know, they should have had this figured out weeks ago where they could have gotten at least 100 games in. And if the virus hits, the virus hits. You know, then you plan for it. But Right. Well, that's the thing with the NBA is because they, they, they the NBA and the NHL, there's people who have talked about the legitimacy of it because there's teams making the playoffs in the NHL that weren't in playoff spots when the season was put on pause. And the same thing with basketball. There's some teams that were outside of the playoff spot that are being invited back. However, the NBA is going to resume the regular season before their playoffs start. Uh, but the teams that weren't deserving whatsoever, especially in the NHL, there, there are no teams besides, I think, the Montreal Canadiens that were not deserving at all to be in that bracket. But when it comes to baseball, if you play a 50-game season, Rob, there's a pretty good, I'd say there's probably a, a very high chance that you're going to get a, a trash team that ends up playing decently well for the first 50 games of the season and makes it into the playoffs. Uh, what were to happen if we watch a 50-game season and a team like the Miami Marlins ends up getting into the playoffs? Because it could happen. How many times do you see teams that start off good and then once, because it's a marathon, not a sprint, once you get 162-game sample size, the good teams emerge at the top and the bad teams falter and fall to the bottom of the standings. 50 games does not allow for that to happen. It's too small of a sample size to be able to weed out the bad teams. So you're you're inevitably going to get bad teams that end up making it into the playoffs, and then it takes all the legitimacy at it. We're just talking before the season about how we think 50 games is illegitimate. Get to the playoffs and have a team like the Marlins or the Detroit Tigers that end up, or the Baltimore Orioles who end up getting into the playoffs, then nobody's going to watch. It's a complete joke. You know what a 50-game season is, Andrew? A 50-game season is telling the fans, well, we came back and played because we wanted to give you some entertainment for what everybody's going through. You know what? <clears throat> Shove it up your ass. At this point, if they end up getting a 50-game season, it's not because they wanted to come back. It's because that's all they could fit in because they didn't come to an agreement in time. So yeah, everyone it, would know that that's a farce, too. Again, it, it's a farce because all they want to do is they want to just show people, hey, we came back and try and get into the good graces of all the fans. But you know what? I swear to God, I hope all the fans turn their back on baseball right now. And I, heard them, they, I hope they turn their back on like, with, like they did after the lockout. In in ninety four ninety five, just turn your back on them. They don't de- they don't deserve our fanship. They don't deserve it. And again, it doesn't go for every single player. You know, I'm sure some players are, are willing to compromise. But you know what? Shame on them for doing what they're doing right now. Shame on them. It's an embarrassment what they're doing, considering that you have uh you know all, all the unrest we're having in 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 all the cities around the country. 
besides the pandemic with all the protests and all the crap going on, uh, shame on them for not wanting to come back and giving people, you know, America's game baseball that on July 4th, they could have, they could have had a, a, you know, started the season on July 4th and, and people could have been watching baseball, even if it was for an 81 game season and made people feel, feel good about sitting back with a Frankfurter, with a hot dog, a barbecued hot dog and a beer in their hands, watching a baseball game. Shame on them. Shame yeah. on them. Could you imagine, could you imagine the marketability? of baseball coming back on Independence yeah. Day. Yeah, they don't get it. They, I, you know, I'm sure they get it, but again, it's the greed. It's the unions, it's ownership, and I blame, again, I blame the unions and I blame the players more than I blame the ownership. The owners are the owners. They own a team. They, they're the ones that purchase these teams for millions and millions of dollars. Millions of dollars that they put into a team to invest in a team. And they're investing in the players. The players need to give into that a little bit, and stop thinking that you know that they're that yeah. Listen, they're the entertainment of the game. Don't get me wrong, but it's the ownership that pays their salaries. You're still the employee. Period. Period. Well, let me forget ask about, you something, Rob. Forget let about me ask 2021. you something. They need to stop. They need to stop with the CBA of 2021. It needs to stop already. Just listen. Put it. Put it. Put a fence. Put a fence on the 2020 season. Here's our fence. We're not going past there yet. We're going to deal with 2021 next year. We're not going to deal with it now. So, you know, this whole, you know, worry about, we're going to worry about the CBA next year. What are they going to do? Don't worry about next year. Just worry about what's going to happen, you know, from 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 June until October. That's it. That's it. And, and the owners who pay the players' salaries, and they get paid pretty handsomely, as you mentioned, where do the owners get that money from the paying customer? Right. And they're turning their backs on the customers right now. And, I, and listen, I get it. I, I, I do get it to a point. I said this before. If I was in their shoes, I'd want to get paid all my money too. We as a society are greedy. But at some point, you have to read the room and you have to come to terms with what is going on in the world right now and realize that possessing the greed or publicizing the greed is not a good optic right now. It's not the way to go about things. You have to come to a, a compromise. I said this before. It needs to be collaborative. This is not collaborative. It, it's a sign of mistrust between the players and the owners, and they're running at each other head on until one of them falls down. That's what they're doing right now. And what it looks like is that they're both going to collide and no one's going to fall down. They're just going to get up and walk into their corners and there's going to be no baseball and that's going to be the end of it. But uh, another, hope, thing, another thing I wanted to bring up quick, and, yeah. it, and it goes back to one of the things you said before, was how you said you didn't want to paint the players with the same broad brush because you feel like there's probably some players who want to compromise. Yes. It's, it's interesting that you say that. I wonder how many players feel the way that we feel because I remember – Back during the, the negotiations that football was going through because their collective bargaining agreement was up and, and they were having some discussions about um, the, the new collective bargaining agreement that the owners proposed to the players and wanted them to sign. And Aaron Rodgers is one of the spokespersons for the players' union and he's like the representative of the Green Bay Packers. And he was on a radio show and he said that as the representative for the Packers – He's in charge of relaying a lot of the information from the negotiations to the other players on the team. 
And he said he sent out a mass email to all the players on the Packers roster, and he got like nine responses. And he said he was really discouraged by the fact that it seemed like nobody cared enough to read the information he was relaying. And, and I'm curious to see how many baseball players there are that actually have a clue about what's going on right now. You know, there might be some who don't care at all. There might be some who are strongly opposing the ones who are being vocal about it, the Trevor Bowers of the world, the Jack Flaherty's and the Blake Snell's of the world. There's probably some people who feel differently than them but just aren't vocal about it. There's probably some players who don't care. Unfortunately, we'll never know, but I'm curious as to how many players out there really agree with the sentiment that's being publicized by the outspoken players. Well, I'm sure it's a lot of the players that haven't made their money yet in this league. You know, you have certain guys that have already made their money. The Albert Pujols of the world, the Mike Trouts of the world, the Bryce Hoppers of the world that have made millions of dollars already, you know, in their careers. That, you know, they, they, they have a little bit of a nest egg here. And then you have the guys that are, that are only in the league for two, three, four years that haven't signed those mega contracts that are really just going by, you know, whatever they are valued through arbitration that haven't made the money that probably want to play just to make some more money. Uh, but the same fact is that they'll never be outspoken against the union as much as maybe some of them want to be and probably some of them want to come out and say, hey, listen, let's cut the crap already. They'll never do it because they're never going to turn their backs on a union because the players union is probably the strongest union in on the planet. Mm -hmm. Definitely the strongest out of the sports for sure. Out, out of all, listen, it's probably the strongest one on the planet. Andy. <laughs> the, yeah. the baseball players union. I mean, you talk about sticking together. I, I give them that credit. Yes. But at this point right now, at some point, I'm not telling you to break the union, but at some point, you still have to come together and compromise and say, okay, listen, at one point that we're just going to say, listen, let's get back. Let's get back before we lose fans. And you are, you are gone. I'm guaranteeing you, you will lose fans because if come April next uh, of 2021, you know, and God willing, it's this pandemic is over and his vaccines and we can get back to, you know, to people just going to, to a game without having to worry about somebody sitting next to them and coughing and sneezing or whatnot. You know, those stadiums might be empty, not because of, of, of the coronavirus, but because that people just were fed up with what happened in this time frame right now. And that's what easily might happen. And again, I go back to the, to the mid-90s when they had the lockout. In 95, they had the lockout. It was done. Baseball was done. It was done until Sammy Salsa and Mark McGuire were shooting needles in their asses and hitting 70 home runs. Then all of a sudden, baseball came back because, you know, for the lack of a better term, there was some juice back in baseball again, you know, pun intended. So, you know, they're making a mistake, baseball, right now. They're making a drastic mistake. Drastic. Yeah, it's not, it's not a good look for them. And, and I actually got an alert before. Uh, another step in the right direction for sports to resume. Um, the oversight committee passed a six-week practice plan for Division One football, and it was being brought to the NCAA Council for approval on June 17th to try to start workout programs for college sports. Now, I said a few episodes ago that if the players weren't on campus, it's, it's just entirely not feasible to have, to have a season played. Um, but I was actually talking to one of my 
uh, old professors at school. And he just checked in to see how I was doing. I had a quick conversation with him. And he said, my old school, um, they're ready. Like, their systems are a go as of right now for students to return to campus in August, albeit it's a it's a much smaller campus than the Clemson's and University of Miami's of the world. Um, but certain schools are, are, are planning to have everybody on campus, and that obviously is the first step to be able to play this season. And, and obviously these players start working out well before the students arrive on campus. So if this practice plan uh, is passed, then that's a step in the right direction to get college football. Because if you don't get college football, we spoke about this a few episodes ago, that's going to cause all sorts of trouble for the draft in the NFL. And, and that's going to cause a huge headache. So hopefully, hopefully we can get those things um, going in the right direction. The NBA, which we mentioned before, has their plan to have Orlando as a hub city and Walt Disney World for their playoffs, uh, the 22-team format. Uh, there are some players who are a little bit skeptical on returning. Carmelo Anthony was one big name uh, who we heard from today who said that he's still up in the air about returning. Well, uh, you know, you know what Carmelo Anthony said, too, was a little bit of a joke because he said, well, you know, and Portland was the only team to vote against coming back to play. Because they got a few guys that have gone through some major surgeries that probably will not be able to play uh, in a playoff atmosphere. So in a playoff for format, not so much atmosphere, but a playoff format. And they were the only team not willing to play. It was a 29 to 1 vote and Portland was the only team to vote against it. And Kamala Anthony said, well, you know, I'll think about playing. But if we don't have a team at full capacity, then, you know, I, I don't know if it's worth playing. Well, OK, thank you, Carmelo. You know, really? <laughs> you know, I mean, you kidding me? Seriously? <laughs> That's why yeah. these guys never won anything. But, uh, you know, like I said, like I told you earlier in, in, in the uh, in the podcast, there's there's a lot of players now coming out and saying that they're not sure if they want to play. And I know Kyrie Irving said he wouldn't come back and play. Uh, Kevin Durant, Durant. Who, Kevin Durant, who could probably play because if they do play the eight regular season games, as so much as a warm-up going into the playoffs, you know, Kevin Durant could probably be healthy enough to where he could play, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a game and just get some, you know, uh, um, uh, get get a little game ready and playoff ready with those eight games. But he said he's not coming back to play. So, uh, you know, the NBA to me is still very, very questionable now because of that. It's very well, questionable. Well, not only that, but also you're seeing that uh, Florida is starting to see an increase in, in cases of COVID. Now, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that they've increased testing exponentially. No doubt. No doubt. You'd, you'd have to see the number the, the numbers or, or the percentage of positive cases you, you uh, also have to aligned see with the, the amount the of key, tests they've administered. The key, thing, the key thing is the hospitalizations because people can test positive and they can have very mild symptoms. And within a week or two, they're feeling much better. It's the hospitalizations that matter. You know, if people are being hospitalized, then they're more on a serious side. So, and again, like you said, Florida now, yeah, you know, there's been an uptick in, in certain uh, Florida, even Arizona. But they're doing a little bit more, uh, a little bit more testing there now. So you, you might see that little bit of an uptick. So it's very, very misleading at times. But uh you know, again, NBA, the NBA has probably the easiest format because they're going to be isolated in one area. Like we said, they're going to be in Disney World, in Florida. 
So you have all the hotels, you have restaurants, you have bars, and then everything is kind of condensed right there. You know, baseball, you're going to have, a, you know, you're going to have a few city, a couple of cities you're going to have to go to. Same thing as hockey. So, um, you know, we'll see. You know, football again, uh, you know, they, 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 they opened up the facilities in football. Uh, you have limited amount of uh, players and, and coaches that are allowed in the facilities, but they have allowed coaches back now, too, which is good. Um, and again, it's all limited. As far as college, like you were talking with the colleges, the problem with the colleges, Andrew, is that these kids, and maybe I'll be it, some are getting paid. Because you see what's going on at Duke right now with Zion Williamson, that they're under investigation. Um, so maybe some kids are getting paid even football-wise, but for the most part, the majority of kids are not getting paid. But but is, isn't so, it actually interesting, and I'll let you finish, but isn't it interesting, too, that this this – investigation with Zion Williamson is going on on the heels of the 10-year ban being over for Reggie Bush receiving illegal benefits. Yeah. It just shows you that nothing has changed. And nothing then, has changed then, in the world of college and, sports. And then you read that USC is going to welcome back Reggie Bush back into the administration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it just, goes to, that, it just goes to show you yeah. nothing changes in, this, in, in college it sports. Does. Nothing at all. I've always been a proponent of saying – they should be paid to a certain degree. And now you're starting to see that a little bit where they can sell their likeness and they can sell certain memorabilia and make money on it. There's no reason why I can't, in my opinion. I have no problem with college athletes making some sort of money in any sort of venue. I don't have a problem with that. They deserve it. But um, it, the problem is if you start seeing some numbers of, of positive testing with some of these college football players, you know, mostly the, the majority of these kids are not making money at all. They're just going to school on a scholarship. So, you, you know, how can you put them at risk? And how would these kids want to be at risk? So I, I, I just don't see the colleges coming back and playing. And my, I wish they would. I just don't see it happening. I, you know, I know maybe they start opening up facilities limited again, but you know we're already into June. College season starts in end of August. I just don't see it happening. They haven't even practiced. They used to have practices in February, March, April, May. Colleges used to have. You used to see the inter squad crim uh, scrimmages. You don't see that. These kids are not going to be, especially football. They're not going to be game ready to play. I just yeah. don't see it happening. I hope it does, but I just don't see it happening. Just being realistic. Yeah, they probably have, have the most hurdles to climb. And speaking of football, you heard today that the, the NFL preseason is probably going to get cut to two games instead of four, oh. which, listen, take away the pandemic. That's a good thing. You, could st you, you should still cut the preseason in half because right. the four games are absolutely right. pointless. Right. So, so that's probably one of the good things to come out outside of the pandemic. Everybody's been calling for that for the last five years to cut it down to preseason. The preseason, especially the last few years, it's been a joke because none of these top players, none of the starters are playing. It, it, you, you used to see the first game they played two series. The second game they played a couple of series. The third game is when they kind of went full bore. They went, you know, almost three quarters. And the fourth game, nobody played. Now it's to the point in the last couple of years where nobody's playing. They're playing maybe one series all the starters in every single preseason game. That's it. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you, you, I think I don't even, as, I mean, as a Steelers fan, speaking on my experiences, 
I can't even remember the last time I saw Ben Roethlisberger play in a preseason game. It's probably been three or four years since he's even played a snap in the preseason. It's you know, it's, it's 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 a waste. It's a waste of time. Uh, and I, I know people people argue that the that the players need some time. To, uh, those those five or six roster spots that are maybe up for grabs. It's unfair for those guys. Listen, the the preseason games are the only film that we see of those players. The coaches see plenty from those players to know whether or not they warrant the roster spot or not. And two games worth of film where the starters aren't playing and those practice squad guys are getting the majority of the reps anyway, it's plenty. It's plenty of samples to be able to judge whether or not someone deserves a roster spot. So I don't believe for a minute that anybody would be at a disadvantage by cutting the preseason in half. I think all parties involved would would applaud for that to happen, and, and I, I'd be interested to see maybe when the pandemic is over if they just keep that format because the four is just it's it's, it's overkill. It's it doesn't too much. make sense. That nobody's playing. Who cares? Nobody's playing. And most of these guys, most of these teams know. These coaches know who's going to make the team, who's not. I mean, yeah, it, maybe it's the it's the forty eighth guy in a roster. You're looking at the forty ninth, and that's a special teams player. So. Uh, you know, look, I mean, you, you could look at a, a kid like Victor Cruz years ago with the Giants a few years ago, you know, who made the roster as an undrafted free agent. You know, you could look at certain guys like that, but, you know, what are you going to do? Nobody's playing. Nobody has any interest in these preseason games. They don't want these players getting hurt. So, so be it. Just knock it down to two games anyway, which which they'll probably do. And hopefully, you know, come September, October, uh, again, I don't think football is going to start on time. I think we'll get football. I don't think it's going to start on time only because again, they're lagging behind practices and probably training camps in July. And you're going to probably have limited practices even in July with this. So I probably see football. I think, you know, the way they set up the schedule again was, uh, where they can take the first four weeks and put it on the back end of the schedule, I think you're going to see that. So you probably won't see football start in September. You see it probably see it more in probably mid-October. Well, I know you're probably praying for this football season to be delayed because you don't you don't want to see the Giants play the Steelers week one, do you? Oh, yeah, I want that. <laughs> oh, I, I want I that, baby. I don't think you do. I don't think you do. You'll regret that decision, I'm telling you. Oh, no, 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 no. I want that. I'm ready for that. I, listen, you were just a couple, couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Steelers' defense. You said it was a Super Bowl-caliber defense. Do you think that, you think that Daniel Jones is ready for that? Well, I said there was a Super Bowl-caliber defense, but I didn't say against Daniel Jones. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's all, we're going to play the semantics game now. That's what we're going to do. Listen, let's hope know, and pray that, that we been... can see football that first week because there's there's listen the the beginning of the NFL season is such a joyous time for everybody oh, yeah. but especially for especially for you and I to start the season with Giants versus Steelers and the bantering back and forth between me Monday and you on a, on a Monday night oh that oh. would be that would be the picture perfect start to the season so let's might cross be, our fingers and hope to be might at be there. the demise of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> let's hope to well what, what are we uh we're 20 percent of the way to 100 so we're going to have to start pumping out more episodes to get to that 100 threshold before that game. You know, like I said, I, I, I hope football can start on time, but just the way I see it now, you know, listen, we're, we're, where they start uh, usually second week of July, 
they start third week of July. They start with the uh, training camps, but they haven't had OTAs. They haven't had any of the rookie uh, mini camps or anything like that. So, I, you know, it might be a little tough to start on time. But I, I you know, look, football is going to start. It's going to start whether it be fans or fifteen percent uh, capacity in in the stadiums or whatever it may be. They'll start. I just don't think they're going to start on time. I think they're going to start more towards like the, you know, early to mid October. I think well, they'll take. I think they'll take those four weeks that they allotted in that schedule to put on the back end, and they'll start it probably mid October. Right. I, you know, it it got me thinking. Football is a ways away. I mean, the season doesn't start until early September, and we're at June 11th right now, so we still have a few months to get there. So that's probably why we haven't heard anything. But I'll be curious to see what ends up happening down the road as we get closer. If it's determined that football can start on time, but there's not going to be any fans in the stands, you have to wonder if there's going to be some bickering about money in football. Because out out of any sport, football players publicize their greed more than anybody because how many players do you see holding out and wanting a contract extension two three years before their rookie deal is up I mean you see a lot of football players airing their dirty laundry out in public tons of it and so if the teams in the NFL are not going to be able to collect that gate once the season starts as we get closer you have to fully expect that there's probably going to be some kind of negotiation in football and you only hope that the players in the NFL and the owners in the NFL have seen the way that the negotiations have gone down in baseball and will learn to maybe do it behind closed doors and try to nip it in the butt and, and not go down the same road that baseball has gone down because that would be an absolute nightmare. Well, you know, listen, again, you, you're looking at football players. Their salaries aren't guaranteed, only their signing bonuses. So you can understand their gripes about, you know, about their salaries and about money. You get it because, again— you know, even when you're drafted as a rookie, you know, you're in a certain, uh, you know, when you're, you're getting drafted in the first round, you're in a certain draft allotment to where your salary is pretty much predicated as to where you're getting drafted. So, and again, you, salaries aren't guaranteed in football, only a signing bonus. So I have no problem with them griping about the money. I really don't. Baseball plays, I have a problem because their money isn't isn't guaranteed. I mean, but... Ba- ba- is guaranteed. So no matter what happens, their money's guaranteed. They could sit out an entire season and not play, and they're going to get that salary. You know, but you can, course, under, you can understand injury, it. Whatever it may be. You can understand it in football a little more, but you still don't want to see it being done in the public eye because of everything that's going on right now. With the amount of people that are on unemployment, you don't want to hear millionaires arguing over getting their money is, but you know, the football is the most physical sport around and we see that these players have the shortest shelf life and they're putting their, their right. livelihood right. on the line all the time. Right. So if anybody has a right to gripe about having their money football and getting paid, when they have, a, they have chance, a right to gripe, it's a football players. But, but at the end of the day, they're still making mo- way more than the average American. And when you have 40 million people in unemployment, you know, hopefully when we get to that point, those unemployment numbers will be down. Because like we said, although we're seeing some spikes in some other states, I mean, New York, you know, heart to God, thank you to the Lord above. We seem to have flattened the curve completely and, and we're moving closer to reopening, uh, hopefully. Let's see what but, happens after these protests. Let's see what happens. We still have to wait. You know, there's still a little bit of a grace period with all these protests and nobody was social distancing. 
let's see what happens after all these protests to see, you know, where we lie after that. Because there were thousands of people in the streets that were not social distancing. Uh, a majority of them were not wearing masks. They were on top of each other. You got pepper spray, people being pepper sprayed. Who's coughing? Who's choking? Who's spitting? Who's sneezing? You know, so let's see what happens after that. You know, and, and it went on just not only in New York, but throughout the country. So, um, well, the, well, the know. hope for me is that the numbers that are spiking in other places right now, I think it's it's probably like I said, it's an increase in testing. But also, I think you're starting to see the numbers increase from Memorial Day. Like, I think this is the people from the Memorial Day weekend period who maybe weren't social distancing and, and they're starting to contract the virus a little bit. And we haven't seen that increase here from Memorial Day weekend. So that gives me a little bit of hope that maybe there won't be that big of a spike with what went on over the past week or so. Yeah, listen, again, let's hope not. But, you know, here's, here's the situation. All it takes is one. You know, all it takes is one baseball player or two baseball players. And all it takes is one football player or two football players that might have, you know, and we've seen it, Andrew, you know, that remember we did that podcast in mid in mid March and it was Rudy Gobert and they stopped the game and Rudy Gobert was fine. You know, he had, he had the Corona, he got tested positive, but you know, he had mild, very mild. He was almost asymptomatic. That's all it takes to stop the sport. That's it. So, you know, you might have guys that might test positive all of a sudden. And before you know it, they're in a locker room with 45 other guys in football. Now you have two guys, one or two guys that might have tested positive. Now it's it's testing every single player on that team that was in that locker room. And, yeah, you can social distance inside of a locker room. But how much could you possibly social distance? You know, they're talking about putting the lockers six feet apart and I mean, come on, you're still in a locker room. They're talking about having these guys not shower in the locker room, having them after the game, having them to go back either to the hotel or back to their own homes to go shower. I mean, you know, it's just, it, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be as easy as they might be, might be making it to be. And as much as you want to be positive about it, there's still, man, there's still a lot of skepticism to it. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm just trying to be realistic. Well, I think too. I think the reason why they're making it out to be easy is because when you look at it, I mean, the the Rudy Gobert positive test is what put the sports world on hold, pretty much. Yeah. But when you really think about it, all the players were were tested after him, and any all the teams that the Jazz were playing, and any teams that those teams that faced the Jazz might have been playing. I mean, all those players got tested, and there was only with players and coaches. There was only about 11 to 12 positive tests. So I, I think that's another thing that gives these sports leagues hope that, listen, if there were only 12 positive tests when nobody was doing anything, if we do put some procedures in place to social distance, we would be able to, to minimize but the possibility gotta, of people contracting. What you got to remember, though, is that was early on in this pandemic. And then we started seeing the numbers. And then we started seeing people that were healthy, you know, having issues with this virus and people that were healthy that might have been dying from it. And although it was a very small percentage, but there was still something there. So we're learning, we, you know, we've learned a hell of a lot more about it since March 15th when all this started happening. And, 
you know, then you have players that might be diabetic or might have some certain underlying condition that might they might not even know about, even as much as they might have taken a physical. But, you know, not every physical might show a certain underlying condition. So, you know, you're learning a lot more about this now. So that's where all the skepticism comes from with all these players. And that's why they feel sometimes, you know what, hey, we might be at risk. And I'm sure basketball players want to play. But again, like I was telling you today, there's a lot of players now coming out and saying that, you know, they're not exactly sure if they want to play right now. So if that's the case, then so be it. Then just you just cancel the season, man. You don't need to have to say we need to we have to crown a champion. It's not the way to crown a champion. This is not the way to go about doing it. This is an exception to the rule. Right. I just don't agree with that. I don't need to, I don't have to have to look, you know, I don't want to look, you know, and God willing, I'm on this planet in 20 years. I don't need to have to go looking back in the history books and look back and say, oh, wow, 2020, they never crowned the champion. Wow, that's a shame. No, well, you know, it's a pandemic. <laughs> you know, I, I'd rather see that people were healthy and safe more than the fact that somebody crowned the champion. I, I've maintained since the beginning because we're hopeful that by the time 2021 rolls around, there's going to be a vaccine and this whole thing will be in the rear view. Hopefully, hopefully it's all big if, but we're hopeful that that's what's going to happen. I've maintained since the very beginning that I would love for all these sports to start their season when it's supposed to start and not have any hurdles to climb because this is all in the rear view mirror. You know, I'd rather I'd rather forget the rest of this season and consider it a wash than finish this season, crown a champion, whether it's legitimate or illegitimate, and then compromise at the beginning of next season. I'd rather start from scratch with no hurdles to climb next season. I know a lot of people feel the opposite way. They feel like these teams worked so hard and put their blood, sweat, and tears into a goal, and to not have any of them see the season to fruition is frustrating. And I certainly get it. But for me, my personal preference is if you're able to play a season from beginning to end with no pandemic going on, that to me would be the most legitimate breath of fresh air of all. When yeah. Once this pandemic is in the rear view, like honestly, Rob, with this pandemic in the rear view mirror, when we have a vaccine and, and this COVID-19 is nothing to worry about, how refreshing would it be to you knowing that, okay, the NHL season is going to start on this date and we're just going to play as if nothing is going on. How refreshing is that going to be? Yeah, no, that would be great. Uh, you know, God willing, we could have that. Yeah, it would definitely be refreshing. And and I tell you the truth, I think I honestly think the one the one sport that's going to come through this unscathed is going to be the NHL. I feel that way. Well, even if things go wrong, there I think they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. I think everybody is on the NHL side because they handled the situation with such grace. They did everything behind closed doors. We didn't hear a peep right. out of anyone until all the details were figured out and agreed upon. So, you know, everyone wants to gripe about, you know, Commissioner Bettman and how not a lot of people are a fan of his. And but I mean, you can't say that they didn't handle this situation as well as they could have possibly handled it. Because with the with the nightmare we're seeing in baseball right now, uh, with the players speaking out against playing, coming back and playing in basketball, we haven't heard anything from hockey. I mean, they came out, they discussed their plan, and then that was the end of it. And everyone is just looking forward to hockey, you know, restarting again. So they've handled this as as smoothly as they as they possibly could have. So even if things go wrong once they restart the season and 
get to phase four, whatever the phase is where they can actually start playing again, even if things start to go wrong and not as planned and there's positive tests, I still think a lot of people will give them the benefit of the doubt because of how they handled the situation. Yeah, good point. Yeah, of course, uh, you know, hockey's hockey's a sport of grace. It's a sport of honor. It's a sport of warriors. And that's why it's my favorite sport, man. I love that sport. I hope that's the one sport that becomes unscathed. Not that I'm wishing any ill will on any of the other sports because I'm not. But, you know, you see what goes on in these other sports. And listen, you know, we're still a little bit of a ways from football. And we haven't had an issue with football at all. But, uh, you know, basketball, pretty much the same way. Although, like I said, you're starting to hear some guys saying they might not want to take the risk and play. And I respect that. But baseball, they can go screw, man. They can go screw. At this point right now, I don't even want baseball to come back. I really don't. I don't want it to come back. Well, I can tell you some I don't want good news back. about hockey. This little uh, three-month layoff has given the NHL ample amounts of time to figure out how they want to implement their new tracking system on the ice. Which I hate. <laughs> God, I hate that gimmicky crap. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I knew that, that was going to grind your gears. That's why I had to bring oh, it up. We, talk, we talked about this a couple of months ago, man. I, I just, you know, the fact that you, you know, well, listen, I'll be honest with you, though. If the NBA, and I think the NBA will come back, although I, I do believe that some players might not play, which would be a shame, but I respect it. Again, I'll say it a thousand times. I respect it. I do think the NBA will play because I think the NBA has the easiest format because they're in an isolated situation where they'll be playing. Hockey's going to garner some some viewership and some fanship, and that's because they'll be playing, and they'll be playing meaningful games. And you know it like I know it, Andrew. Those playoff games in hockey, there's nothing better. Nothing better. There's nothing better. I agree completely. They're, they're going to gain a lot of fans, I'm telling you. And and I'm curious to see. Now, we haven't gotten word yet from the NHL about what their hub city is going to be because I know three of the cities that they were planning, or not planning, but three of the cities that they were considering were cities in Canada, but it doesn't seem doable because of the travel ban. Anybody who comes right. in from a different country would have to be quarantined. So... That that just kind of would eliminate those three cities. But once they have a hub city, I think they're probably going to have a similar format to the NBA in which these players are kind of staying in a bubble and not coming into close yeah, contact I, I with think the outside world. I think they're waiting to see where the numbers go as far as these cities that they're leaning towards. I think there were 12 different cities. I think they're waiting to see where the numbers are at before they, before they uh, you know, uh, make a decision on these cities. But uh, you know what? While we're at it, listen, we're talking about the NHL. So we got Rangers Hurricanes that we know for sure is a matchup. Shesterkin uh, starts the first game, correct? I believe so, yes. But okay. I, I, that would be my personal preference. I think that's the way that they're going to go. But who knows? I, I, I wouldn't be 100% shocked if, uh, if Lundqvist played. I got to tell you, I really wouldn't be 100% shocked if he did. Yeah, I just think they're going to go with Shesterkin only because he's the young guy. I think, I, I just think that's the way they're going to go. Maybe I, I might not agree with it myself because, you know, I love Lundqvist. But so, all right, so let's play. You know what? Let's get away from all this other crap. Let's just let, let's concentrate on a Ranger Hurricane series right now. How's that? 
You don't have to twist my arm. Believe me. I've been itching since we got this matchup. I've been itching for it to come back. And the Hurricanes were the one team that voted against this format because they did not want to play the Rangers. And I know I, we had a little group chat. Me, you, and Tommy were talking. And they gave their own little proposals as to what they thought should have happened instead. And because the Hurricanes were in a playoff spot and, and the Rangers weren't, one of their proposals was that in this play-in series with the Rangers, a best of five, the Rangers, if they wanted to advance, would have been forced to win four out of the five games, which is the most moronic thing I've ever heard of in my life. And it just seems like they were itching and clawing and doing everything in their power to not have to play the Rangers because I think they're terrified of, of what's going to happen in that series. Yeah, no, I, I did. Yeah, they definitely, uh, they definitely wanted no part of the Rangers right now. But so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who starts that game. I still think it's going to be Shesterkin. and I just think the Rangers are going to go with the young kid. But if he does not play well in that first game, then you will definitely see Henrik Lundqvist in that second game. You're not going to even see Georgiev. I just yeah, don't I, think no, that's I agree. Gonna happen. I agree. I don't think you'll see Georgiev at all. I, I think that Lundqvist, I think he probably has a little bit to prove if he's given an opportunity because, let's face it, it, it wasn't a ceremonious end to his Rangers no. career because we're both in the same boat thinking that it's probably going to be a Lundqvist buyout after this season. Uh, so if that's the, the route that the Rangers choose to go, it was an extremely unceremonious goodbye for him because of all that he's done for the organization. But if they're able to restart and come back, that's why I don't think I'd be too shocked if he were to play. Because, you know, what a story that would be to have Lundqvist lose his starting job due to ineffectiveness, have this young kid Shesterkin come back, the Rangers go on a crazy run to get into the postseason. Then the NHL season is put on pause for four months due to a pandemic. They finally come back, and they're in a playoff spot due to the expanded format. And Henrik Lundqvist goes in net, and he leads him to the promised land. I mean, the story oh just God. writes itself. Oh, my God. That would be – I mean, that would be amazing. It really would be amazing. And for someone who has a tattoo of a certain somebody on them, I, I, think, that, <laughs> I think that you'd be a big fan oh of that as well. <laughs> I tell you what, though, you know, you look at the Rangers, though, from that January 6th date to the day that they stopped playing, they were the fifth best team in the NHL. Yeah. You know, they were 10 games over 500. And, you know, they had just lost Kreider towards the end of the, towards the, uh, when they canceled the season. Although they did say that Kreider was, was ready to come back right before they canceled the season, um, they'll, they'll be full ball, man. And that could be a dangerous team. It I need could to be ask, a dangerous team. I need to ask you a serious question. No Rangers bias involved. How on God's green earth is Artemi Panarin not a finalist for the Hart Trophy? Yeah, that's a, that's a joke. I mean, he probably wouldn't have won because Dreisaitl has like 150,000 points. But, but did you see but what Nathan McKinnon said yesterday? I, I did. That's what made me think of it because yeah. his comments yesterday kind of popped into my head, and that's what yeah. made me think of it. Yeah. Because there's no denying that he put the Rangers in the position. I know Zibanejad was a superstar this year too, but Panarin's addition to that lineup is what propelled them to, to be as no electrifying doubt. of a team that they were. And yeah, the Shesterkin boosted them at the end because they weren't playing too well. They were in a rut, and he kind of propelled them at the end. 
But, I mean, the Rangers are a lottery team at the very best if you take Panarin out of that team. They're, yeah. they're going to have a top-five pick next year if Panarin is not on that roster. And don't forget, Zivinijad missed about 15 games, too. Yeah. Yeah, and then you lost you know? Kreider at the, at the, so, right so after he Panarin, signed the extension. So, he so broke Panarin was there basically playing with Ryan Strom. You know, and Strom's a good player, not a great player. You know, dry saddles with, you know, he's, you know, it's him and Connor McDavid for the most part. I mean, yeah, he, he should have been a finalist there. But you know what? If we, if, we, if he's lifting the Stanley Cup at the end of all this, that's all that matters. And I'll tell you, the Rangers could be a danger. They could be, a, I hate to say it because I don't want to jinx it, but they could be a dangerous team, man. They really can. They could be a dangerous team because they're going to have two solid lines. Now, defensively, that's their question mark. Although between Lindgren, and I thought, you know, Trooper takes a beating right now. You know, I read a lot of the Ranger blogs, a lot of the Ranger boards, and I tell you, man, people are killing Trooper. I didn't think he was as bad as people make him out to be. I didn't, think I didn't, he I didn't his, either. I didn't think he played to his $8 million salary, but that's he's not as bad as— yeah. He, he's not as bad as people make him out to be. I thought Trouba pretty much, for the most part, was solid. You know, with D'Angelo there, and I love Ryan Lindgren. Adam Fox is probably the best rookie in the league. Uh, you know, they have a good shot. And if Shesterkin is going to start and he can get hot, boy, oh, boy. And again, if Shesterkin has a bad game, what's wrong with Henrik Lundqvist coming, you know, right. coming back? Right. I, I, even even in the normal playoff format, the Rangers, if they got in, would be a dangerous team. I mean, people talk about the Mets every single season as being the one team, if they were to make the playoffs, the one team that nobody would want to face because they have that oh, the key yeah. element yeah. that propels yeah. you on postseason runs, and that's the starting pitching. And I think that the Rangers have those two coveted aspects of a team that can propel you to a postseason run in hockey and that's the electrifying first line and they have two really top solid lines and the goaltender that can that can carry you and listen I know we might be jumping a little bit ahead of ourselves with Shesterkin because at the end of the day he's only played 12 games but I mean the kid was standing on his head for those 12 games he burst onto the scene and showed that all the hype that we've been hearing about for years was warranted because he held his own facing 45-plus shots a game, uh, playing, basically seeing the same amount of shots that Lundqvist saw his entire tenure, 40-plus shots, a lot of high-quality shots, and he was standing on his head and doing a good job. So that combination between the, the top lines and the goaltender is scary in any playoff format, and when you have a bunch of teams that are coming off a four-month rest, you know, I, I, I think the... the I don't think it's going to be chalk that ends up winning this tournament when you have such a long layoff. I think right. everybody is in the mix. Two key words, Andrew: house money, and that's what the Andrews are playing. That's what the Andrews, that's what the Rangers are playing with: house money. Yeah, they're playing with house money. That's it, and you they're know? still and they're still technically ahead of schedule in this rebuild. Yeah, they're way ahead of schedule. They're way ahead of schedule. So you know, now that they're in it. It's all house money for them. These are young kids, youngest team in the league. So, and then you got the Knicks. I mean, you know, they're still looking for a coach. Probably going to be Thibodeau, I guess. But 
from all things being considered, Thibodeau's probably not the right guy for this team. Because you pretty much need a, you know, you, you, you need a coach that's going to be able to, to develop these young kids. Much like the Rangers hired David Quinn. They hired David Quinn because he's a, he was a developmental coach. He was going to be a coach that was going to be able to coach these younger players. And Quinn has been a lot better than expected. That's the type of coach that Knicks need. Because Thibodeau has kind of been a little, you know, he, he's had problems with some of his plays in the past. One of them being Carl Anthony Towns, you know. So some of his star players that were there, um, he just never messed with them. I don't know if Thibodeau's the right guy for the Knicks. I really, really don't. I'd almost, I tell you the truth, I'd almost keep Mike Miller there right now. Oh, that was going to be my next question. Right now. My next question was going to be, would you be opposed as a Knicks fan to bring Mike Miller back? Because it yeah. seemed like the, the players responded well to him. And to be yeah, quite honest with why you, not? Why the, not? The, Knicks, the Knicks weren't any good. But down the they stretch, played hard. They, they, played they, hard. At least, they at least played watchable basketball. They I'll played put it hard. That. You know, you're not going to get a coach that all of a sudden make this team right now a 45-50 win team. And Thibodeau's not going to do that. So you don't want to have a you don't want to have a coach that's not going to be able to develop these younger players. Thibodeau's never had that reputation. The only guy he's really developed and made a better play was probably Jimmy Butler. Most of these other players, it, it just especially in the NBA, you know, it, it takes a certain coach to coach some of these players. Because there's a lot of personalities in those locker yeah, oh rooms. Oh boy, there's a lot of personalities, man. Yeah, in the NBA, there certainly is. So I, I would almost think, you know why, you know, go with a younger coach, somebody like like I like I said, Mike Miller was a good coach. I mean, listen, it didn't show in the record, but sometimes you can't always look at wins and losses. If these players are responding to the coach and they are playing hard for him, then that's the coach you need to have maybe for a couple of years. If you can develop these plays and get the best out of them, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. You know. So, so. so I have our poll results from social media oh. for our super team draft. I was all, you know, I also heard from a few of my friends that called me and said you didn't leave the post up long enough. They wanted to vote more. Certain um, guys didn't get their votes in. That could account for me not having a lot of votes for my team. So maybe, maybe well, I didn't told, say they want to vote for you, but I'm just no, saying. Uh, I think they, I think they were going to actually. I think these results might as well be thrown out the window. Maybe I'll just repost them again. I'm glad you brought that up because coming in last place with 27 percent of the votes is yours truly with my team. Who listen? I, I said right after the draft that I thought these teams were as evenly matched as possible. But I guess that's the viewpoint of a loser because no one seemed to agree with me. I come in third place with 27%. Coming in second place with 35% of the votes was you and winning by only two percentiles. So you had 35% of the votes. Tommy had 37% of the votes. He comes in first place. So the overwhelming, not the overwhelming, but the majority of the listeners. And the followers of the podcast thought that Tommy had the best super team. And I got to tell you, I think they're a bunch of morons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I'm not a way to get more votes. Well, no. Well, like you said, maybe, you know what? Maybe this whole episode, I'll cut this part out of it so that the people don't know. And I'll just reopen the polls and we'll see what happens then. Maybe Tommy will just grow even more of a lead and we'll both look silly. Reopen the polls. 
There you go. No, so so what? I'm curious, actually. What platform were your friends looking to vote on? Was it the Twitter or the Instagram? Because I put it on both. Uh, you know what? They didn't really. They didn't say. They just said, "Oh, I wish the I wish the poll would have been up a little longer." So. Because okay, I know which, that which I, I left the poll up longer on Twitter than I did on Instagram because Instagram doesn't give you the option. Uh, the Instagram is only a 24-hour thing. Twitter gives you the okay. option to keep it up. So I kept it up for um, the the weekend, and we got the, the highest number of votes on Twitter. Uh, we got some votes on Instagram, and then I had a couple of people that listen to the podcast that don't use social media that I asked them for their responses, and they gave them to me. So Tommy comes in first with 37%. You come in second with 35%, and I come in last with 27%. I was hoping that I would get a little bit more support considering that I initially came up with the idea. I think it was the Seth Lugo. That's what destroyed you. The Seth Lugo or the Brett Gardner pick too. I think those two did me in. I think Johnny McGill, uh, I think he went out against you with the Brett Gardner pick. I, t- I, told, I told him about it, and he was livid. He was furious. And I actually texted you last night because the first round of the MLB draft was last night, and with the 19th pick in the first round, the, the Mets yeah. selected an outfielder, Pete Crow Alexander. He's well, a high school outfielder. did you read that they talked about him compared? I, I, I read multiple comparisons to Grady Sizemore, who I really, really liked as a player, although he never lived up to his potential, although he was a very good player. He was a ve- But he was... Somewhat injury prone, Grady Sizemore. He was, and he was also he was a really good player on a really bad team. Those were where the Indians were the laughing stock of the league, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And Brett Gardner really came into his own really later on in his career. I mean, earlier on in his career, he was pretty much just of a, you know, a decent player. Uh, so you know, the guy that Mets took uh, Crow Armstrong. I would hope he'd be more comparable and to I got Brady. A, I got, Brady I got his name wrong, by the way. I got his name wrong, too. I said Crow Alexander. Crow Armstrong Crow is Armstrong. what I meant to yeah. say with the 19th yeah. pick. And then they yeah. picked uh, They picked a couple more guys today. I know they picked a shortstop out of California. They picked another outfielder. Uh, well, and their second-round pick the, was from yeah, Mississippi JT State Dent. pitcher. Yeah. yeah. And so from just what I read, hit. it seems like he's um, – it, it seems like he's the same. He falls in the same boat as their pick last year, Matthew Allen, where he kind of fell a little bit due to signability issues. Um, but with well, the Mets, Tommy other John surgery in March. Oh, is that what it was? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yes. Uh, but, but, but he's but a prior sophomore. Yes. The kid threw gas prior to that. He was throwing ninety-seven as a sophomore. And then he had he just recently had Tommy John surgery in March. So, you know what? He, he's a young kid. He already had listen, the way you look at it now, they had the Tommy John surgery, they got it over with. Much like uh, Jacob DeGrom, I think, right? DeGrom had the Tommy John too before uh, he got uh I think I, believe, I, I think DeGrom, he had right? the surgery when he was in when he was in low A. Well, I think right. he was already playing with the Mets when he had this Tommy John surgery, but it was earlier in his career. It was no, nowhere no. near the time where he but, came to the big no, leagues. No, no, but I'm saying much like this, like DeGrom, this kid had his Tommy John already at an early stage of his career. Got right. it over with. He was throwing gas prior to that. So, you know what? Probably a good pick. Let's see what happens. You know what? He had the Tommy John surgery. Listen, the Tommy John surgery is a lot easier to go through than this thoracic outlet syndrome. I mean, you know, that's... 
that's basically a death sentence for pitchers. Right. And now you just seen Chris Archer just uh, just had it. And they're talking about now with Matt Harvey maybe going to the Korean Baseball League or they're saying that, you know, maybe he contacted the Mets, you know, to see if he can get a tryout with them. And, you know, uh, well, seemed, that, from from what I read, it seems like the Mets shot it down. But listen, I, I would I was really annoyed with Matt Harvey and the way that he acted towards the end of his tenure with the Mets. But I, I'm a strong proponent of them giving him a second chance and bringing him back for multiple reasons. It's a non-guaranteed contract. Who cares? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. For one, you sign into a minor league deal. If he performs great, if he doesn't, you can cut him. No questions asked, no ramifications down the road. The second thing is, is that you need all the depth that you can get because we were wondering, you know, what are they going to do with the six starters they have? And everything always figures itself out, doesn't it, Rob? Syndergaard goes on the IL, needs Tommy John surgery out for the season, or if there even is a season. But And then certainly that depth that you were once gloating about, you don't possess anymore. So Harvey could be another arm to insert in there. But uh, Andy Martino of SNY said that, um, or no, it wasn't Andy Martino, it was Anthony DiComo, uh, the beat writer for MLB.com. He tweeted out that from sources within the organization, he said there is no truth to the reports that the Mets and Harvey have mutual interest of a reunion. Um, well, and Tacomo actually just tweeted also that the Mets selected a catcher just now from Arizona, uh, Matthew Dyer, with their 120th overall pick. Could Matt Harvey be any worse than Chris Flexen or, or Corey Oswalt? <laughs> right? Could he be any worse than that? No. And then, then you think about it. If they're going to go to a shortened season – more likely, most of these starting pitches will not be going more than three, four, maybe five innings. That's it. Right. So, you know what? I, I uh, Look, if he comes back on a non-guaranteed contract, I don't have a problem with that. I really, really don't. I don't have a problem with that. If they wanted to bring him back just for a tryout on a non-guaranteed contract, and I think he's been humbled. And again, you know what? It, it's not like he just all of a sudden stunk overnight. Yeah, between a Tommy John and again, you you can get through the Tommy John, but the thoracic outlet syndrome—that's a death sentence for these pitches. You know, Chris Carpenter had it, uh, um, Chris Young had it. None of these, you know, Chris Young was probably the one pitcher that probably came back and was somewhat successful from it. Now you just seen Chris Archer's having the surgery now recently. Man, that's a tough surgery. These pitches just don't come back from it. Well, who so, who else who else's career who had uh, who was in a similar boat as Harvey who had a trajectory for stardom, had the surgery and was never the same was Josh Beckett. Beckett, right? Josh yeah. Beckett was another guy who was a star and he he never recovered. Right. Uh, Phil Hughes, who was a guy, although he Phil wasn't Hughes. a star, but he had the thoracic outlet too, and he never really caught on. His career yeah. ended early. Yeah, there's a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, another uh, who was the other pitcher? I can't. His name is escaping me. He's still pitching. But he's really ineffective now. Uh, he's a lefty. He was on the Padres. I think he's on Toronto now, maybe. He lefty. He doesn't throw very hard. He was the Padres' ace a few years ago when they were awful. Um, oh, I can't think of this guy's name. It's going to piss me off to no end. I'm going to have to look this up because this is going to annoy me until the end of that. Clayton Richard. That's oh, Clayton Richard. Okay. Clayton Richard was another one who had the thoracic outlet surgery. So all those names, I mean, who of them have rebounded? None of them. None of them have been able to do it. Yeah, so, it's a tough surgery to come back from. Very, very yeah. tough. So, so, but there's no, there's certainly no downside in signing him to a uh, 
to a non-guaranteed deal or, or a I minor mean, league what's, deal, what's you know, I wouldn't be deal, opposed like to I it. Said, if it's a non-guaranteed contract, then who cares? So I have, right, I have no problem with it. Right now, we're we're just kind of playing the waiting game. Um, there hasn't been an officially uh, a hard deadline for the MLB to come to an agreement if they're going to. Um, we're just kind of playing the waiting game now. But as Rob and I said before, uh, time has been ticking for the past month or so now, and now we're really getting down to it. So I can say with 100% certainty, even if you're going to do the 40-game season, which we think oh, is a joke, God, no, please. E- even if you're going to yeah. do the 40-game season, you need to come to an agreement by the end of this week yeah. or, or by yeah. the early portion of next week, or you're yeah. not going to be able to have anything. Um, so we already know the NBA's plan to come back late July. We already know the NHL's plan to come back late July, early August, or they're going to return and start training camp around July 10th, I believe is the date for the NHL. And then football is a couple months away. So while we're, while we're still stuck in this period of just playing the waiting game, uh, we're going to continue to try to get creative. I know we mentioned on the last episode when we did our baseball draft that we were thinking about ways to potentially do a football draft as well. Um, obviously it would have to be a little bit different because baseball was very straightforward with the amount of guys we can draft and, and the time period of years and everything. Um, we'll have to figure out the logistics if we wanted to do that too. But everyone who's listening, I mean, we're all ears. If anyone has any topics that they want us to tackle, anyone has any ideas, um, we're more than welcome to listen. We're happy to listen. So you can shoot me a text, shoot Rob a text, hit me on social media. As always, my Twitter account at Andrew May underscore 21. That's at Andrew May underscore 21. And being that I put the poll on my Instagram too, I'll throw my Instagram out there again. It's a underscore May 21. Um, that's where I always post the links to the new episode and any updates on the podcast. So we're more than happy to listen because right now, um, you know, we have fun talking about what we talked about tonight and breaking it down. We have such a passion for sports that we enjoy it. But when we're just kind of tiptoeing and clicking our heels and standing back and forth, there's really a limit to the amount of things that we can do. So uh, we're trying to think of anything creative to, to keep this podcast going because, as Rob said before, we're on episode 20. We have at least 80 left before we get to big 100, which was our goal from the very beginning. We'll get there. Somehow, some way, we're going to get there. Well, I'm confident de- in that. <laughs> it, de- it depends what happens on that week one Monday night game. Giants, e- Steelers. That might be the demise. If, even if we got to talk about a cornhole league, we'll get there. <laughs> oh, I miss cornhole. I miss cornhole. You know, I, pl- I started playing a couple of games in the yard with my father. I miss cornhole. I could play cornhole all day. Yeah. I really could. Well, I'm just, we'll, I'm just we'll holding out there. hope that we can have barbecues sooner or later so that you know, the whole gang could be at the house to play some cornhole, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right. So we'll wrap it up here, you know, made the best of it. And hopefully by uh, our next episode, hopefully, you know, we'll do another one next week. Hopefully we have some more definitive uh, news as far as listen, more than anything, major league baseball, because again, we've already got ML, we've already got the NHL and the NBA as far as what their formats are going to be. So that's pretty much, um, that's pretty much set in stone. Um, NFL, listen, we're a little bit of ways away from that. So we still got, you know, still a little bit more time for that. So basically we're just waiting on the MLB and that's it. That's it. So is there any way that an agreement gets done and you don't turn your back and, and you're excited for it? I'm, or is that done. I'm done with them. I'm done with baseball right now. I really am. I, I can't, you know, I wanted to a couple of weeks ago, Andrew, I was starting to, feel like, all right, it's going to come back. They're talking. They're going to come to a compromise. How could they not? 
you know, I was probably thinking like most of the public was thinking and most of Major League Baseball fans were thinking that there's going to be some way that they're going to come to a compromise here. They have to, you know, in the light of everything that's going on. So I started started to look at rosters a little bit. And I just couldn't get into it. I was done. I couldn't get into it. And you know what? I'm glad because two weeks later, here we are. Status quo again. So if no agreement gets reached in the season is next and they don't have anything but next march when it comes time for or next february when it comes time for spring training all, syst- all systems are a go too you're not going to be looking me. forward to it too late really i don't know see that's what i said before i don't know if i have that type too of conviction late. after to what turn they've my back. done after what they did this year when 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 people and society and fans needed them most after what they've done that's it and I hope everybody else feels like that. I'd be everybody curious. To, I'd be curious to see how many people do because I, I just, I, I, I wish I was that strong to be able to take a stance and and turn my back on the game for what they did. But I'm telling you, I mean, I'm just being, I'm just being honest. I'm not going to sit here and lie to everybody and seem like I'm being a hard ass. If no matter what happens this year, if they come back at the normal time next year and spring training happens as planned and all systems are a go. Uh, there's no way that I'm going to be able to turn my back. I'm going to be excited. I just, I, I can't envision a scenario where I won't be excited if that happens. But After what they did to us this year, I, I can't be. I, I can't respect them. I just can't. I, I lose all respect for them because this is when this is when society needs them the most. And again, if if baseball players came out and said we don't want to play because of the risk, and we don't want to risk it, I'd have no problem. Then I'd say, okay, no problem at all. I respect that. But this infighting that's happening now because of money, that's when I draw the line. And you know what? I said this two episodes ago. They very well could have said that if they didn't start leaking the information out. They could have came out and said, look, we just don't think it's doable from a health standpoint. We just don't feel safe enough, and we can't figure out a way in which we ensure safety. And they could have used that as a shield if they really couldn't come to an agreement with the money. But unfortunately, they aired their dirty laundry out in public, and and these are the consequences and the repercussions that they're going to have to pay. So as Rob said, this is the waiting game. We'll see what happens. We're going to put another week timetable uh, pretty much on this, and, and if no deal is reached by then— then I think you can most certainly kiss baseball goodbye for the 2020 season. Stay in touch with my Twitter account, as I said before, Andrew May underscore 21 on Instagram, A underscore May 21. We'll figure out the logistics for our next fantasy draft or super team draft, whatever you want to call it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for uh, voting in the polls on the social media. And we'll be in touch when we have everything figured out about when the next episode is going to be. For Rob Jufre, I'm Andrew May. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you soon, everybody.